politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard and fight anew for our liberties to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here for Tuesday, and it is August 10th. Believe it or not, this is the date about five weeks after the signing of the Declaration of Independence that the British actually found out that we declared independence. That's how slowly news traveled in those days. So it's funny, we're supposed to celebrate Juneteenth uh, because that was the day they found out in Texas about the emancipation. Well, maybe we should celebrate a second uh, Independence Day on August 10th. Uh, But I digress. Uh, Speaking of moving at a snail's pace, uh, we've gone back about 2,000 years in medical technology Um, 17 months into this virus. It's still the biggest story. I can't get off of this. That the very medical profession that is willing to overturn every stone, shatter lives, destroy countries, economies, civilizations, humanity over a virus, they will not treat it. They refuse to treat it. To this day, to this day, 99%, 95% of people are completely in the dark about what to do about a virus that, for those who ultimately get it seriously, it starts out as an eminently treatable virus with numerous ways of treating it that we don't treat it. People don't know about it. Doctors tell them, drop dead, go to an urgent clinic, won't prescribe them. This is the biggest scandal Biggest scandal of all time. I have so many news stories just piling up, but I can't get to anything because there's so much to say on this. This is truly the biggest thing. All of the death and destruction from the virus and from the reaction of it leads back to this point. The lie that there is no way to treat this other than in the hospital. So we're going to unpack that and more stuff today about the virus as usual. If we have time, we'll get to some of our crime stories. First sponsor today, very important for those of you, numerous people in this audience who have small businesses. You did not start your business to deal with HR and government regulations on labor minimum wage, termination lawsuits. HR can quite literally kill you. An HR manager typically costs about $70,000, but what if I told you I could get you a designated HR manager for just 99 bucks a month. Bambi has you covered, B-A-M-B-E-E. What they will do is take care of all of your compliance for HR policy. Uh, Basically, you once you sign up with them, and by the way, you could do pay as you go. It's not like a commitment, Uh, you know, month to month, no hidden fees. You could cancel anytime. And you get a free HR audit today if you go to Bambi.com slash conservative right now. And the the real thing is, it's not like you'll be given a runaround to someone in India each time. You get a designated, dedicated HR manager available by phone, email, real-time chat uh, to basically handle all of your HR compliance. Again, go to Bambi.com slash conservative. Put the BAM to the B.com slash conservative. Okay, guys, so, you know, I I was talking to my brother last night after 
I got another disturbing text from from someone on this you know chat list. Basically, this woman was telling me she lost her mother, seventy four years old, at Dallas Baylor, and she was telling me about you know how they wouldn't even up her aspirin dose when they knew she was getting blood clots. The treatment was horrible in the hospital. And, and it's true, and, and there's a lot more things we could be doing. But what was even more egregious is I said to her, I said, look, you know, how did she get to that position? Doesn't she have a doctor? What did the doctor give her? And she told me nothing. Just said, go to urgent care. Nothing. You could not have conjured up a worse way of dealing with this. The whole thing started. They said they could destroy our liberty to avoid a run on the hospital, which of course didn't work, but they can't prescribe treatment <laughs> to avoid a run on the hospitals and actually save people. So the biggest story, and I don't, I don't think I've explained this precisely enough, but the biggest story of this entire virus is that 17 months later, they're still treating it like, like Ebola. Like, you know, you have five, ten cases in the entire country. During outbreaks, they're like, whoa, you know, I, I want the guys with the hazmat suits just go to the hospital, deal with it. Okay, you could, you could do that. Makes sense. But when you have something, which is the most transmissible thing we've had around that everyone's going to wind up getting, and half the people already got, how is it that PCPs aren't dealing with this? If you hear from your primary doctor that they have nothing to offer you in terms of antibiotics, antiviral, anti-inflammatory, anticoagulant, those are the main four buckets, corticosteroid when needed, but usually you wouldn't even have to get to that point. If they don't send out a packet to every one of the people on their patient roster, they're pathetic. And if someone specifically calls them with COVID, and mind you, we know what it is a million times over now, so you don't even have, if you're too scared to have them come in, just, you have your their patient profile, you have the questions, ask them. If they don't do it, they suck. And what this means is that 90% of doctors suck. And what else are they lying to us about? What else are they undertreating or providing maltreatment. Again, I mentioned yesterday, one of our listeners, Katie from Massachusetts, printed up a treatment packet, just basically collating into a very nice, easily consumable summary of all the things that are out there. Lots of over-the-counter things that certainly you could do on your own. And then the prescriptions that you need to nail your uh, PCP on. And if they don't deal with you, she has on the final page a list of places to go to, to possibly get treatment. And again, some cost more than others. You do have myfreedoctor.com where they do it for free. Ask, just ask for a donation. Um, Ryan Cole is associated with them. So I'm going to have that out either later today or tomorrow in a column I'm going to hyperlink the PDF in the column in big letters so you'll be able to see it. And we will, you know, make sure you guys get that. But I mean, you have from Pierre Corey to, you know, Jean Jacques Ryder in Broward County, John Littell in Florida, 
Um, Brian Tyson and um, Dr. Farid, his partner, set up a clinic in California. They've been treating from day one. Obviously, you have Dr. Cole and Dr. McCullough, Zelenko very early on. And I don't, I don't want to leave out names. There's, there's a number of others, but it's still a tiny percentage of doctors. They've kept 99% of people away from the hospital. We don't need to imagine what the world would look like had we done this. We could still do this. We know what it would look like. This is truly disgusting. It, the more I think about it, you know, when, when, when Dr. McCullough originally said, you know, had we done this from, from the get-go, we could have saved 80% of people. I was thinking like, ah, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is it really 80%? The more I think about it now, it's more than 80%. It really is. Because one of the interesting things I'm hearing from these doctors is that even for, it's not so much your health status that determines the outcome. I mean, ultimately it does. But it's when you catch it and when you treat it. You treat it early, there's a million options. If you let it fester, then it's harder. Now, yeah, then it's going to matter. You let it fester, a healthy guy is usually going to pull through. Some of them might have a rough go at it. And more of the ones with the health issues are going to be the ones who are going to die. But what they found is that they've treated people with, you know, bad cases of cardiovascular disease and renal failure and uh, certainly uh, diabetes and when they catch it early, they don't seem to have any more of a problem with them than a, a, a healthier patient. But anyway, I, I meant to say, I, I spoke with my brother last night because this is what really you know, got me into this when his father-in-law, 74 years old, probably had terrible, terribly low vitamin D, was in the hospital. I'm sorry, he got COVID after staying home all year not seeing his grandkids, following all the so-called rules. And, you know, he was in the ICU for like a month and a long recovery. I think he's better now. But that all could have been avoided. And I said to him, you know, how long was he at home before he was in the hospital? I want to check up on that. I said, it was like five, six days. And he said, no, 11 11 days. Now, again, some people might be a little shorter than that, but think about that. 11 days. And this was like eight months into, into the virus. I said, what did his doctor give him? He said nothing. He thinks he might have given him cough syrup. Folks, again, especially long-term, takes about a couple months to bulk up your levels. We've had 17 months. Zinc. Vitamin D, vitamin C, B, E, folic acid, selenium, iron. And then there's the stuff that really, you know, helps us over the counter, like quercetin. There's a couple other similar things. And then obviously, you got hydroxy, especially early on, ivermectin at all stages. But there's tons of other stuff. There's, there's famotidine, which is pepsid. Proxalumatide, which you can't really get in America. Nadizoxanide has amazing, amazing. It's another anti-parasitic thing, but it's very, you could get it in America, but most pharmacies don't stock it, right? This is a big problem. There's just a bunch of new studies on it. Fluvoxamine is huge. 
Colchicine, an anti-gout medication. Celebrex, Singular, which is uh, for asthma. Um, Phenofibrate, that's the cholesterol one. And then there's a ton, ton of anticoagulants, and certainly beginning with um, aspirin. You know, blood thinners that you'll you'll want to take. They won't even tell people to take the 325 milligrams. As soon as you get it, you should take aspirin. And then obviously, you know, doxycycline or azithromycin for, you know, there's, there's different opinions. Some, you know, for healthy people without any sign of issues won't start with that necessarily. Different opinions on that. But th- this is unbelievable. I can't move past this. Censorship kills. And folks, speaking of censorship... You don't want your emails being censored and given away. All your browsing history, your medical records, your social security information. Google and Yahoo, I got news for you. It's not free mail. It's not even spam mail. It is spy mail. That's why I want you guys to sign up for start mail like I did. My my new email that I'm moving more towards is Daniel Hurwitz at start mail.com daniel horowitz at starmail.com they keep everything private period it's encrypted um when they say it is deleted it means it's deleted it's you know it's nowhere to be seen it's gone forever um they and look they're out of the country and they have their own server so you know they're actually safer than the american companies like you know parlor had the issue with amazon server uh they're backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world um, and they generate a bunch of shareable Elias emails. So if you don't want, you know, if you want to use an email for just like products and signing up for things, but you don't want to get spam, you could use a bunch of alliances. Uh, it's so easy to use. Again, I switched from spy mail to start mail. I don't trust big tech and neither should you. Start securing your email privacy with Start Mail. Sign up today. You'll get 50% off the first year. Go to startmail.com slash conservative. That's start with a T at the end, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash conservative for 50% off startmail.com slash conservative. Again, free email ain't free. So, folks, one of the things I've been looking at as time goes on, and this ties back into the early treatments, so the vaccine, A lot of people don't realize that the vaccine, in truth, is not a vaccine, okay? You are giving people a real live spike protein. So the question is, why are we risking giving people the inflammatory response and not just straight up treating it? using the stuff that reverses it. The irony has come so sick full circle that you have tons of people now seeking treatment and being treated with um, ivermectin, among several other things, for the vaccine. We need a vaccine for the vaccine. But why not just cut cut out the middleman and directly treat with ivermectin? So I want you guys to take a listen to this clip from Ryan Cole. He gave a presentation. It's on Rumble. You could Google Ryan Cole presentation on spike protein on Rumble. Um, it's about 21 minutes, but I'm gonna. I, I want to play about two and a half minutes here. It's a little bit long, but it's worth listening to. Take a listen. 
Okay, what about the spike protein? We're giving a sequence, a gene sequence, into the bodies of human beings, and this sequence goes into our deltoid, and we're, we're informed that it, w it has a little anchoring protein, and, and once that is translated and makes a little protein and it's on the surface of your cell, it stays there, well, guess what? It doesn't. And there are studies, and of course the fact checkers are like, oh, this isn't true, this isn't true. I'm a scientist. Don't ask the journalist, ask the scientist, okay? So this spike protein doesn't stay just in the deltoid. The spike circulates in your blood. It lands in multiple organs in the body. And you know what happens? That spike protein without the body of the virus present. We did studies in lab animals. In the lab animals, just in, in injecting the spike with no body of the virus, the spike induced the same diseases COVID-19 induced, the same lung disease, the same vascular disease, the same heart disease, the same brain disease. The spike is the toxin. So again, why are we injecting something into the human body that is the toxin? It is the toxin. It causes the disease. This isn't a vaccine. Okay, so we know that the virus, everybody's heard about this ACE2 receptor. Here's, here's an example. So on the left-hand side, this is a, a, one of the cells that lines your blood vessels. I'll, I'll show you a chart in a minute where we have ACE2 receptors. So on the left-hand side, you see kind of in the corner of that upper grid and the bottom grid, these nice smooth lines. On the right-hand side, this is what the spike protein, just the spike alone from the vaccine, is doing to the mitochondria of your cells. That's the engine of your cells. That's what gives you energy, the power of your cells. Compare the left, the smooth, nice, put together. Compare the right, blown apart, fragmented. That's from the vaccine, not from the virus, from the vaccine. Okay, so here's the human body. You can see the plethora of sites where we have ACE2 receptors. Now think about it. I mentioned they tell us, oh gosh, the spike stays in your deltoid. It doesn't. It circulates. In the Harvard study in 13 nurses, they showed it circulating for at least two weeks. A lot of people lack something called mRNAs, an enzyme that breaks down the RNA. So it may be circulating for even longer. Now you hear, well gosh, they died, you know, just so long after the shot. So, you know, it was two weeks, three weeks, Hank Aaron, whoever. You know what? That spike's circulating. They, they tried to pull the wool over our eyes and say, well, it couldn't have been the shot. We're too far out. Not if the toxin's still circulating. For those of you who never heard Ryan on the show, I mean, you should go back and listen to our shows with him. He is just brilliant. You know, some of it you couldn't see. Obviously, there were slides he was showing. He's a pathologist. He's a surgeon. He, he's an expert on every facet of this. He looks exactly how the mechanisms work. See, this is the thing. These doctors are a doctor that's like, uh, wear a mask, isolate, and they have nothing to tell you. They have nothing to show you. They don't understand how the virus works. They don't understand how drugs work. It's funny, there's a lot of doctors like that. They, they, they're terrible at what they do. Like, I don't have a real job. I do politics for a living. But I think you all would agree, if you know me, I do a pretty thorough job in really understanding it on a deep level. I figured if I'm going to have a you know, funny-looking job, I suppose we'll be good at it. I don't understand how someone could go to medical school and all they are is just a bureaucrat that they look at the NIH or the protocols, okay, whatever, and they don't understand it. But this guy does. Like, what he is saying is a big deal. 
There is no way this hasn't killed more people. There is no way this has not killed more people. You know, in Israel, where is this? Professor Retsev Levy, he is MDA, is their emergency, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, like their ambulance service. They've seen a 25% increase in cardiac arrests and heart attacks. An 83% increase in heart attacks among women 20 to 29. According to the study, the increase was correlated with the timing of the vaccination. It was the first five months of 2021, the increase was even higher in those months. His study also notes that according to Bureau of Statistics, mortality rates among young people decreased simultaneously after the decrease in vaccination rates. Wow. There is no way. I'm trying to get um, Steve Kirsch on the show. He's done a tremendous amount of research. An entrepreneur has done a tremendous amount of research on the COVID de- the vaccination deaths. He believes the deaths are over 100,000 in the country. And I can believe it. You are directly giving someone the spike protein. And we have ways of quelling it. Why would you pick that? And again, you know, a lot of people tell me, well, Daniel, doesn't that underscore how dangerous the virus is? Well, you, you know, well, first of all, you don't inject it yourself then. Second of all, you're doing it in an unnatural way that likely, you know, makes it harder for your defenses to deal with it. Meaning, for again, for, for unhealthy people, yeah, you're right. It's probably kind of the same thing. Like a lot of people are like, hey, I took the vaccine and never had a problem. It's exactly reflective of all the people that got the virus and never really had much of a problem with it. But there are people who do. But the point is, there are going to be some people that wouldn't have had a problem with the virus that are going to have a problem with this. Moreover, it's a false choice. We have endless treatments. There's a problem now. Pharmacies are really, they're not stocking. They're trying, you know, balking at filling prescriptions. This is where we need the so-called red states to step in. But of course they haven't. But this is the thing. They're starting off from the premise that the vaccine is like candy. So why not? Why not give it to people, to young kids? Why not give it to, uh, you know, people already had the infection? Well, that's why not. The same reason you don't give chemotherapy to anyone just because. Just because you feel like it. It is shocking that we don't have a single injunction anywhere. They're just, they just mandated in the military within a month. Everyone in the military. I think everyone should just quit. The military is gone for 50 other reasons. If you have kids in the military, I advise just leaving in mass. Tens of thousands. Walk out. You know, I mentioned this yesterday, but just how political things are. In late April, April 20th, OSHA came out with guidance that said, look, employers who mandate the vaccine have to record all adverse events as workplace injury. Like we always would. A month later, they came out with the following statement. 
the Department of Labor and OSHA, as well as other federal agencies, are working diligently to encourage COVID-19 vaccinations. OSHA does not wish to have any appearance of discouraging workers from receiving COVID-19 vaccination and also does not wish to disincentivize employers' vaccination efforts. As a result, OSHA would not, will not enforce 29 CFR 1904's recording requirements to require any employers to record worker side effects from COVID-19 vaccination through May 2022. Through May 2022. This is it. There's no law. There's no science. It's all politics. It's all control. It's all sadistic. I mean, that statement from OSHA is unbelievable. It's an unbelievable admission that there's a heck of a lot of side effects. We can't have that recorded. And we're willing to scuttle the law. And this is... This is a broader problem that I'm, I am going to wring the neck of a so-called conservative who continues to make this argument. They're so obsessed with driving the speed limit. What I mean is like, oh, we can't. We have to have a certain doctrine we have to abide by. While the other side has one doctrine, we win, you lose. So we've talked about this for many years when we talk about the, you know, the the hierarchy and the organizational structure of our governing bodies. So you have three layers. You have federal, state, and local. And then within them, you have legislative, executive, and judiciary. Notice for the left, they only need one organ. And when I say they, it means even if you have Republicans controlling everyone, that's included in the left. But the point is, if they, if you have a Republican president, a Republican governor, a Republican county executive, but a Democrat township, borough, whatever, president in that township and borough, the left's policies will reign supreme. Suddenly it's all localism. But certainly, by a factor of a million, when our guys control the locals, but they control the president and, and certainly the governor, we're screwed. So this, this this whole fight now, notice all these blue areas in red states are like, screw it, we're going to mask the kids. I don't care about your laws. The only one who's trying to fight back is, is you know, Ron DeSantis in Florida. He threatened to withhold paychecks of school officials that uh, keep this going. And then he offered vouchers for kids to go to other schools. And I think he's doing a good job. But you see, by the way, you see the effect of localism when you really want to stand up and you're united and the all the governing authorities are united. You could block. And this is what I've been saying all along. I don't understand how we don't do this in red areas and red states and probably even red areas and blue states, but certainly red on red. But we don't. They have one rule. If they're in the locals, oh, it's all about local. If they're national, oh, who are the locals to control? Same thing with the courts and the political branches. Notice how when they control a state politically, boom, whatever you want. We could cry to the courts and they'll say, hey, you know, we're not going to second guess them. Okay, fine. Then you think, all right, so look. We don't like to cry to the courts. It's all political. In, in a blue state, it's the gulag. We'll move out, go to a red state, and then we can do what we want. Now, Republicans suck, so it's hard to get them to do anything good. But when you finally claw and work so hard to get them to finally pass good laws and implement good policies, the courts have an injunction in three seconds, and suddenly, nope, the courts are so powerful. And now we're finding... That even when we get these people, the courts will come and say there's a right for the localities to engage in human rights abuses. Notice how they always win in every direction. And the reason is because they fight. 
They believe in what, in the veracity of their arguments. They speak to the morality of their immorality. And they don't budge. All our guys do is make excuses. So I'm seeing a lot of these thumbsucker, Muppet, Teletubby, so-called conservatives like on the internet. You know, I don't know what this Florida governor is doing. You know, we believe in localism. And it's like, what? This whole thing is coming top down from the CDC and the feds. That's the whole influence. And mind you, they never work to push back against the feds when states are much more sovereign from the feds than cities are from from states. You know, there's there's slight shades of gray in terms of home rule laws depending on the states. Like I know, for example, New Hampshire is very, very, very little autonomy for cities. Some states have a little bit more, but they're not sovereign like a state is. So the notion, yeah, all things equal, we like more local control. But, you know, when they go and they violate human rights, you're not going to say the governor doesn't and and the legislature don't have the ability to deal with it. But they're so dogmatic about this. You can't play a ball game when they have won, when they will use any avenue to win. Our response has to be, we will then use every avenue to win. You want to go and have local control and apply that evenly? Let's shake on it. I'm all for that. But it's not. We're crushed everywhere else. You know, in the state of Maryland, if I could move out to Western Maryland, which is conservative, and that will be autonomous from the policies of statewide, fine. I'm fine with it then. Then you can go in Gainesville and, and Broward County and whatever and Tallahassee and, uh, you know, in Florida and do your thing. But they're not doing that. So I'm not going to give up where we have control either. Now, speaking of helping the courts, I need you guys to help me help those defending us, Alliance Defending Freedom. They've been standing up for religious liberty, sanctity of life, freedom of speech, marriage, parental rights, and America's highest courts for nearly three decades. If you guys go to adflegal.org slash CRs and conservative review, you can get a copy of ADF's ebook titled Generational Wins Absolutely Free. Discover why fighting for what's right isn't just important for today, but it will impact us for generations to come as we're seeing today. Uh, They rely solely on the generosity of your donations. So pick up your copy of Generational Wins to understand why it's important to help their work. Uh, Unlike the ACLU, we don't have... Uh, 10,000 lawyers who could work pro bono with Soros funding. So we got to put our money where our mouth is. ADFlegal.org slash CR. Again, that's ADFlegal.org slash CR. So in the remaining time, I want to pick up the pace a little bit just to make sure we catch everything, all the news stories I wanted to get to. So it's funny. Everything that starts off as a panic As a narrative, we're always the first out ahead of it to say, no, it's not true. And slowly we get proven right. Um, Oh, there's 100% of people are unvaccinated. So I have a column out today kind of collating some of the work we've done the last week or so on this big wave where we debunk that myth. No, it's not. Um, The vaccinated are spreading it just as much. The vaccine likely created a more durable, prolific Uh, spreading virus that spreads even greater than it did before there was zero vaccination. um, And it only protects from 
critical illness for a short period of time and it's waning and it wanes quicker for the people who need it the most. That is essentially what's going on. And you know what? Moderna, um, I'm sorry, Reuters is out with an article today. Moderna may be superior to Pfizer against Delta. And in the article, they basically admit there's a Mayo Clinic analysis that shows that with the Delta variant, and I'm not convinced, by the way, that it's Delta. I'm, you know, it's also a mixture of it just wanes after a certain period of time, whatever uh, virus mutates around this vaccine. But the effectiveness of Pfizer has fallen to 42%. And it's funny, by the time they admit one level, we're already, you know, two magnitudes of order below that. So it's it's cute, you know, the way that goes. Um, you got trial site news. World's most vaccinated nations are also some of the highest risk for COVID. Okay, so this is, again, a complete, complete joke. You got places like Malta, Gibraltar, where it's essentially near universal, universal um, vaccination. Uh, and they're, they're having major issues, obviously. Malta, huge spike. Um the United Arab Emirates, also these small places, Iceland for sure. Um, uh, where where else do we see? Aruba. Aruba is interesting. Nearly every adult has been vaccinated. They have pretty much the biggest spike they've ever had. Belgium. Belgium's another one. Um, you know, cases are really spiking. Spain. Spain might have turned the corner, but Spain really was a large country where they were almost all vaccinated and uh very much an upper trend and then of course israel where you know this entire thing has been blown wide open and meanwhile what's interesting is if you look at the stories very carefully you'll start to see that even in america it gradually changes remember when i told you that i remembered when the wave started in israel it was the same narrative oh it's unvaccinated and then slowly it changed it's hard to tell what percentage of it is a lie because there always is a lie built in and what percentage it legitimately, again, it's a sliding scale and, and it is waning very fluidly as we speak. Um, but you talk about Israel, what's very interesting is people don't realize, you know, Florida seems to be all that, Florida's the big hotspot. And it, it's really Florida, Louisiana, and Arkansas, I think are the worst, more so than Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, and Missouri. Um, again, I don't know why. I mean, there's no reason why, but it, it just, it, it, it does that. But the funny thing is, do you know Israel now announced for today they have 6,300 infections? So if you um, would just average that out per capita, that's almost the equivalent. I'm trying to do the math in my brain of like 14, 15,000 cases in Florida. So they're almost up to Florida, very close, very comparable with Florida's case rate. You have the most locked down, masked, and vaccinated country that basically has the same rate as of spread now as Florida. So this whole thing is a lie. It is shocking to me how no Republicans and their Republican lawyers won't take on lawsuits they have no leg to stand on. It doesn't stop anything. It's a complete joke. Complete joke. And what's funny is you're starting to see this in the, in the U.S. Hospitalized in Miami. And again, I don't believe this. Um, 
but it's 20%. 20% are vaccinated. Well, that's different than saying 3%. Okay, 20 is already more in Miami. Because remember, Miami has a very high vaccination rate. Um, and also, I, I would just remind you that, keep in mind, they test the unvaccinated automatically, whereas the vaccinated, they don't. So if you're there for something else and you're not complaining about it, they won't test you. And number two, one COVID shot is considered unvaccinated. And we already know they're actually at greater risk of getting it. So that's put in there too. So, you know, it's likely even in America already, it's higher and that's going to grow every day as it wears off. In Oklahoma, I mean, this is, uh, it's straight up in their data, Oklahoma, 24%. They're reporting of those in the hospital are vaccinated. So, so much for that narrative. Now, there's another very important narrative I'm going to dig into a little bit more today, but we mentioned briefly before, and that is RSV. Um, You know, this entire saga has been full of what I call, have you killed and have you inherited? You had the wicked king Ahab in in the, the Book of Kings, where he murdered his neighbor and then took over his vineyard. And Elijah reproached him and came there and said, have you killed and have you inherited? What these vermin are doing throughout COVID is they are causing a problem. They're exacerbating it. They're inducing it. They have a solution that makes it worse. And then, precisely because it didn't work, they get to parachute in as the arsonist dressing up like the firefighter and saying, hey, this is outrageous, this is terrible, people are dying, spreading. And then they propose the very solution that caused it, right? So they get to kill and inherit at the same time. And we've seen this many cases, how lockdowns, you know, um, it, it, they, they sent more people to the hospital than needed to be. They refused to treat it outpatient. They clogged the hospitals the most with remdesivir, um, obviously preventing people from exercising, the anxiety, gaining weight, low, uh, lower their vitamin D, all the ways that, that they literally made the virus worse. So one of the big things we have been asking all along is what happens when you take kids that are not vulnerable to COVID precisely because of the immunological ecosystem God created that they get certain viruses when they were younger fairly recently. So they have kind of a partial cross immunity and you deny that science and you say, no, they are in danger. And therefore we're going to isolate them. We're going to lock them down. We're going to make them like bubble boys. Well, what's going to happen? Isn't that going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy? And then now they will get more seriously ill from things that previously they handled pretty well. Well, that brings me to the panic porn. You might have noticed that they're... they're, they're, So they they tried this a couple of other times. It's not the first time, but they feel like they finally got us now. You see, we finally found the Delta that really is dangerous to kids. It's funny. So so we're not seeing this anywhere. Uh, There's this pretty middle-of-the-road type of pediatric infectious disease doctor named Alexander Alistair Monroe um, on Twitter. He's in the UK. And he's like, I don't understand this. Why is everyone panicking about kids in the Delta in America? We're not seeing this in any other country. And the answer is because America, politics is a blood sport more than any other country. So they are going to lie, manipulate to the gates of hell. And the teachers unions are driving this. And it's right in time for the new school year. 
Now, the reality is that every lie is built on a kernel of truth, but completely distorted. And it's true really many places in the world, but it's but it, it's in America that it's being conflated. And that is, there is a massive seasonal spike in RSV. I'm sorry, unseasonal, right? They are seeing winter levels in the South, but elsewhere too, more so in the South, but elsewhere, and in New Zealand, other countries as well, of RSV. So there's two points to be made here. Number one, the increased hospitalization of children is really RSV. But we know what happens. What happens when you put them in the hospital? Everyone agrees that kids get COVID. The issue is it's not serious for them. And B, they don't really spread it that much themselves. But they do get it. They receive it. So everyone agrees that if you're in a period of time where there's very prolific spread, particularly in a hospital, nosocomial spread, and you have kids there for RSV, guess what's going to happen? They're going to test positive for COVID. It's a co-infection. Think of making this up. The Journal of American Academy of Pediatrics has a study out. Nearly one half of the infected children, meaning with COVID, had co-infection with other common respiratory pathogens. Nearly half. And that's global. They're saying that. Certainly now in the South with RSV really spiking plus COVID circulating in the hospitals, it's got to be well more than a half, I would predict. And you could plot it on CDC's COVID tracker, their hospitalizations by age. So you look at the, they have zero through four and then five through 17 cohorts. And you see a little bit of a uptick, but it's not, the point is it's not beyond the percentage that it's been spiking through any wave. In other words, COVID is very, very not a problem to them, but it goes from zero to one when you have a period of spread. When it's dead, it's zero. When it's spread, it's one. So it's back to one. It's back to, you know, it's less than the winter. In other words, in the winter, there were more COVID. And when we say COVID, again, that's the way they count it. They're in the hospital and they test positive for COVID. That's all it is. During the winter, we still had a lot more than we have now. So it's not like it's, oh man, we have the most ever. No, it's still nowhere near the winter level of children and no one panicked then. And so it's less, but it's, you know, a little bit more than it was two, three months ago. But if you notice, I I looked at the chart and it's a little bit more for zero to four than five to 17. And that would be, yeah, that's kind of peculiar. No, it's not. Because that's the age in particular where they're going to get RSV. This is from State Impact Oklahoma. It's, I think, the Oklahoma NPR channel. Unheard of rare summer RSV surge fills hospitals. Across the United States, where is this? Um, Some local medical officials are concerned that could change with the start of the school year. Um, They're saying they're worried about COVID. But then they say Dr. Stephen Nye, the pediatrics department chair at Integra, said RSV infects people of all ages. It's worse in children. It has many symptoms, but they combine to restrict airways. Small airways in children mean the issue can become severe much more quickly. Sometimes there's kids who progress to full respiratory failure and need a ventilator, you know, sometimes a couple of days, sometimes up to a week or more. 
Like the flu, RSV is supposed to be worse in the winter. This hasn't been the case this year. Typically, summer is a slow time for pediatric illness, Nye said. This summer has been abnormally busy. We've often seen, you know, up to capacity and sometimes having to turn patients away because we are beyond capacity. Hospital administrators across the state, including in Oklahoma City and Tulsa metro areas, say RSV is filling children's hospitals. Okay, so right away, now we understand that RSV is filling the hospitals. So if it's RSV, it ain't COVID. What it means is they test positive for COVID, which no one ever denied that during a period of prolific spread, certainly you put them in the hospital, the more RSV you have, the more kids you have in the hospital. The more kids you have in the hospital during a period of spread, the more positive tests for COVID. Boom, right away, that's a COVID pediatric hospitalization there. But it's not. It's BS. So that's point number one. Point number two is we've lived with RSV our whole life, and suddenly now we're panicking either over RSV or mislabeling it as COVID. So again, I warned about this. Remember when I said, like I said, look, COVID has been the best for kids ever because the flu was boxed out. RSV also was kind of less than usual. Um, COVID was boxed out. Uh, the flu was boxed out, but COVID itself was less than the flu. So it was really a good year. So I said, look, if we're going to panic this much, imagine what's going to happen when normal, typical viruses come back. And now we're seeing that. The other question is, why is it spiking so much out of season? And at least anecdotally, some are saying they're getting more severe cases. So... Nye has a theory. Kids and babies who really, if they were born during COVID, haven't been exposed to any viral illnesses throughout their entire life. And now suddenly they're thrown into, you know, it's like when a kid first starts daycare, they're sick every other week. And there's tons of on-the-record quotes from doctors throughout the world saying this. So it was these very vermin that isolated kids who didn't need to be isolated precisely because of God's immunological ecosystem of kids gradually getting things, which is a good thing, and that's why they're not vulnerable. They're making them vulnerable, possibly more to COVID, I don't think so, but to things like RSV, because they're not getting the gradual mild infection as the infant, so you get a three, four-year-old now gets hit with RSV, it's much worse than they typically are. And to add insult to injury, they count it as COVID to panic even more so they can then lock down the kids even more to make them even more susceptible. You can't make this stuff up. It's truly, truly unbelievable. But these are the type of doctors we have. These are the type of doctors we have now. The medical profession is so, so broken. It needs to be fixed. But it's beyond repair, so the best thing we could do is evacuate from it. I'm trying to work with some of these doctors on COVID to create parallel universes of concierge clinics, not just for COVID, but other things. And one of my agenda items is, again, to work with red state legislatures to smooth out policies and laws that give them the same status on the playing field as cartel corporate health care, government health care. It's all the same. Because this is what's really serious. The doctors are killing a generation of kids. 
because of lies about COVID and their refusal to open their eyes and actually treat it. The Hippocratic Oath is dead. So folks, again, later today, I'm going to have out my column um, with Katie's treatment packet. has all the information in it. Um, So look out for my column. You could always Google my name in the blaze and you click on my name and you see the chronology of it. Please send this show out to all your friends and relatives. This is how we grow. This is how we have an impact. That's all I want, just to have an impact, to save lives, save our own liberty. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.